we'll hook you up. If you need pens or paper, you can raise your hand as well. They're coming. Here's some hands right here. Uh, we go through books of the Bible. That's how we, we um, started off the game here at MacAv. Um, heart desire is, is that we'll be able to get through to all the scriptures. And um, even like even a couple weeks ago, we realized how this is a blessing because there's certain passages you probably won't preach on. You know, if you just if you simply well, maybe in my flesh, if you simply do topical, because like you know we taught on circumcision. Well, who does that? So. Um, And um, and today uh, we are going to go through a very hard passage. We are in Genesis 19. Um, my man Nate last week, which, by the way, I, 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 I do this wrong. So, so we have this unbelievable teaching team. We have uh, David Crawford, um, who's also MD, and um, my man uh, Lee here, and Eric Nielsen, and Nate. And I keep giving, I, I'm, I keep trying to give them the harder passages, and I keep messing up. And uh, this is another one that I should have gave you, bro. But uh, but it's all right. I'll, I'll have more time to correct stuff. So we'll see. Hey, by the way, um, as as we're going through hard text, uh, what we ask you to do, if you're new, um, hopefully at Mac Abers, we we've sort of hopefully um, yielded our hearts to the Lord and, and and can do this. And that is, don't make a judgment right away. We're asking you to um, let's hear God's narrative uh, before we render a verdict. Okay. Uh, because, you know, uh, some passages in scriptures, you know, we always say um, there's some things that are kind of like you don't really get it. And there's some things that you clearly get, but they're just hard to swallow. And, you know, I think this is one of those get hard to swallow realities. So so uh, just be encouraged and and, uh, and come back. So. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm going to say some things maybe that's going to make you uh, get a little, uh, I don't know, I, ho- I hope you don't get offended. I hope, hope you understand I'm just telling you what God has said. Uh, but, it, but it is an interesting passage. I think it's a crazy passage, actually. Uh, very unfortunate. But it really uh, de- depicts the, the reality of man and our need for Jesus. Uh, another thing I want to just give you as far as cursory thoughts before we enter into the text is I love that the scriptures is, is, all, is always about, like everything we're doing here is always about Jesus. Right? And so we're going to see Jesus all throughout this passage, um, although hard, although a hard text. We're going to see Jesus all throughout this passage. So with that said, um, let's, let's um, jump in real quick. Let me just give you a, a, a quick deal is um, Nate did a great job discussing. There's many different tidbits in Chapter 18. One of the biggies uh, that we that he really did a great job on was was exposing our 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 messed up definition of call. Um, if you were here, I hope you were encouraged. If you were not, um, you can listen to uh, talks online, and you might want to listen through, hopefully be encouraged and listen to our series um, in understanding God's story. Um, but we have, uh, you know, Jesus, by his grace, continually affirming Abraham in, in God's goodness and how he's going to fulfill his mandate, and, um, and that is him, him being... Um, Talking with God and, 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 and being a, uh, a man who's going to usher in the nations. Um, it was a beautiful passage. We, we had during that time in, in Genesis 18, uh, three visitors. We had uh, a couple angels and then we have Jesus. Okay. Uh, we, we're entering now, we're continuing this narrative and, he, and there's a brief discussion uh, at the end of 18 of, of God kind of being frustrated with, with Sodom and Gomorrah and he's going to go and check it out. And see if uh, if he needs to mess up the place. Okay, uh, so that's that's where we kind of we kind of ended it. And then we have the whole beautiful again just uh, display of God's grace uh, again of how you know I can I can torch this whole place, but then Abraham pleads and says you know well and he goes down well, if there's how many, if there's this many people Lord will you still torch it? Well no because you're my boy. Well and he says well can I be so bold ass again? And he goes, you know, further goes down and we just get to another another beautiful sense of God's unmerited favor of uh, saying, you know, because of my covenant with you, I'm going to uh, be about something and I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Uh, but we see that he's he's already sort of made plans to destroy this place. This pretty, and so now we have maybe 24 hours or or I think at best, maybe 48 hours or a little past 48 hours. Uh, this whole scene begins to take place. OK, so that's where we're at. Genesis 19. Y'all ready to rock? Oh, by the way, 
if there's if there's a question, there's not a faux pas to ask it. Uh, we do ask because this is an intense text that you 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 say, man, is this going to bless the community or can I ask this afterwards? Um, don't don't just be mad at me and throw something. But but think about like uh, why you want to ask it. OK, family. All right, guys. You know what? I totally forgot the uh, the thingy. So so you guys can go ahead and click it back there. Just um, I get so nervous with this clicker because I'm kind of goofball with it, but I'll try it. Amen. What are you doing? Oh, thank you. Okay. Hey, <laughs> give him any of my stuff, man. Okay. Verse one, family, ready? Okay, so we have the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was uh, sitting in the gateway of the city. Uh, when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. So we start off this passage um, uh, where we see basically Jesus sends off the two angels. Okay, and so now the two angels are now in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, and we we know that from Genesis 18:22 that so the men turned away and went to, towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Okay, so they're having a discussion. So you go back and write in your address in Genesis 18, verse 22. It's right here. He sends the angels off. We're here where the angels are now. This is where they went. They went to Sodom to go check out the place. And Jesus is still kicking it with Abe. All right. So, um, by the way, I love the Hebrews 13, uh, verse 2. I know I'm, I'm really trying hard not to do all the slaying. She, yeah. So uh, Hebrews 13, verse 2 um, is, a, is a cool passage because... Um, it says, don't forget, uh, don't, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, doing, some people have, uh, have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Uh, this is one of just a brief cursory thing, nothing super deep, but just that the reality is that these, these guys probably look like humans. They probably, they were men, and people didn't know they were necessarily angels, and that this is, re, this is a reality, this is a spiritual reality that, that I, that I believe, and because the scriptures tell us, I mean, uh, probably happens today, where you're entertaining or connecting with somebody, and, and they could be angels. So don't be a jerk. You know what I'm saying? It's the whole point. Because you don't want to be a jerk with the wrong people. I'm just kidding. No, but um, so, so, these guys, so these guys come. Now, and here in the passage here, people can think that, um, uh, that I mean, I'll explain sitting in Gateway in a moment. They could think, well, no, he thought he knew they were angels. But, but the reason why I don't, I don't think he knew, that, knew they were angels, uh, I think he was just basically... Um, being respectful and showing hospitality. Nate brought that out last week where Abraham was showing hospitality. So it's just a normal thing. See, in, this, in that day and age, you know, if, if the strangers came to a different city, uh, there wasn't there wasn't it was it was either people let them in their homes. Another stranger let them in their homes or they were homeless. There was not like holiday inns and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So they so they went to a place, sojourners and, and individuals showed hospitality. That's how that's what people did back then. So you either either somebody was nice to you or or you just were homeless. So this was basically um, a lot being kind and, and connecting with these guys and saying, hey, I want you to uh, got up to meet them, bowed down and, and it says and got face down. But notice he says here, just a quick thing, sitting in the gateway in verse one, you see that um, sitting in the gateway is a very important beginning that the author thought it was important for us to get. The reason why he put sitting in a gateway, because he's showing you that 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 lot in the city had prominence. The reason why that's important is because if you remember earlier in Genesis, um, lot, when he went up, when he went over to Sodom, he was not he did not pinch his tent in Sodom. He actually pitched, pitched his tent outside of Sodom. He was near Sodom. Right. And I think that's in, in Genesis 13. But now we see him in Sodom. Uh, which, by the way, so the author is helping you see that this guy here kind of sort of like was kind of saying, I'm going to be near a sinful place. And now he's kind of in a sinful place. All right. And let's be clear. He knew. Right? Genesis 13 makes it really clear that that the word was out. Sodom and Gomorrah. These cats are crazy. OK, um, so he's sitting in a gateway. So not only does he go from the point of being away, like sort of outside the city to in the city, but now he's sitting in a gateway, which means he's a man of prominence of the city. If you sat in a gateway, that meant you had say on who came in and out of the city. You follow me? And so, again, like if you guys ever seen a movie Les Mis and how like they're trying to. Well, uh, there's usually a big wall and you have one entryway. 
Okay, and that's 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 in order to make sure that you know who's coming in and out of the city. And so if you didn't have the right credentials or whatever they thought that you should have, they wouldn't let you in. So all I have to say, here's a man who has who has achieved great prominence. He is now in uh, sitting in the city gate, basically calling the shots. Okay, this is Lot um, at his as we begin this story. So he sees these guys. He says, "Oh man, I, I, I bow down, face to the ground. Hi guys, I'm the man." You can come in. Continues on. The story's going to get crazy, y'all. All right. Says, he says, my Lord, um, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. They said, no, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly. I love that. Right. Check it out. It's almost like somebody comes up. If you're familiar with our community, it's like somebody coming up and you say, oh, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm so glad you came. You're in our community. Why don't you come stay with me, you know, and hang out with me tonight? And they say, no, nah, man, I think I'm going to stay at this little, um, I saw a little vacancy spot on Mac and Bewick. And you're like, no, nah, bro, you need to stay with me. Trust me, homie. Right. So so that's the tenor here. He's just kind of trying to be nice. All right. And I propose that because he knows the city. Again, scan down to 13.13, before we, before we uh, finish that text, this is Genesis 13.13. 13. It says, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. All right. So it's almost a sense of like, he's like, well, I'm going to go, go in the center square, man. We're going to go and hang out. He's like, no, bro, trust me, please. They're going to eat you alive. Come hang out at my house. Right. So it's still a sense of him showing great hospitality. And he says, uh, it says, but he insisted so strongly that they did not go with him and entered his, um, they did go with him, I'm sorry, and entered his house. He pre- prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. I love the meal. The same meal he prepared here is uh, the meal that the Israelites got, um, you know, 40, 40 years in the wilderness. So it wasn't like an off-the-chain meal, right? So it was like a bachelor trying to prepare a meal, like my wife not being home, and then I'll just give you some cereal or something. But <laughs> So that's what he does. He gives the brothers some cereal. Right? Angels. You know what I'm saying? He hooks them up with some cereal. So, um, let me continue on, please. All right. So, that was the fun part, right? That's the fun part. So now, it says, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. Um... Uh, they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Okay? Let's look at this. So, notice a few things here. First we have, okay, all the men. So So here it is. At this point, can you call the police? No, they there. <laughs> right? This is all the men. You notice that? Notice the context. Both young and old. Notice how sick this is. Okay, so here's the deal. Here it is. You've got guys who are 70, 75, 40, 35, 20, 16, 10, 8, and they're all rushing to a house to have an orgy with two guys. What makes a society be okay with having young men and boys running with older men and say, hey, let's go and let's rape some guys? Interesting, because... All the men are there, but if you have all these people, then I'm sure they're married too. These aren't just what we perceive as just, you know, just homosexuals who don't like women. It's just perverted sin. It's when sin goes unchecked, you will do anything. And so these are, these are guys who have wives. And they said, we're done with dinner, honey. We're going to go rape some guys. And they know because everyone knew that the town was wicked. 
And trust me, Solomon knew, I mean, sorry, Lot knew too. He knew this was a wicked town. He knew this was happening. This wasn't, no one was surprised. This wasn't the first time. Can you imagine? I have two four-year-old boys. To go out with my, my sons and say, guys, we're going to go have sex with some men. How does this happen? Are you disgusted yet? Do you see it? Do you have the picture? That's what the author wants you to get. He wants you to see our evil. Young and old. Do you think that they were just simply saying, okay, we're all going to go and have sex with these guys? Do you not think that those 10-year-old boys, those 7-year-old boys haven't been raped? Do you not think that the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds weren't having sex? Do you think this is a monolithic story? This is just happening one time? The author doesn't want you to be so naive. He's helping you understand a culture. Young and old. They surrounded the house. Where are those guys? We know there's some new blood here. Where are they? I was thinking of those poor kids who become raised in this and then they're 30 years old thinking they're homosexuals. Some guys who were kids and maybe have the disposition toward femininity. And then this pushes them over the threshold. This is our world. Every man. Check this out. It gets crazier, fam. Lot went outside to meet them, shut the door behind them. Said, no, my friends. Don't even get me started here. This, you talk about grace. When do we see grace? See, we're all filed up in here, right? But this would be a day where you go, okay, God, God can save me too. If you still think you're not perfect enough, after the day, you got some fundamental problems. <laughs> this nut says, no, my friends. Oh, by the way, is Lot a Christian? Yes. I'll prove it to you in a minute. Lot's a Christian family. Okay? He pitched his tent outside of Sodom. Now he's in Sodom calling the shots of a culture that goes and rapes people with little babies and kids and men. And the Bible says he loves Jesus. In fact, the Bible calls him righteous. I see some of your faces. He says, no, my friends. These are his friends. No. He knows these homies. Don't do this wicked thing. Is it wicked? Is it wicked family? Yes. Right. Easy, easy answer. Yes. I have a uh, no. We got We need to, we need to process this family because we're in a culture today where that's kind of rude. That's kind of intolerant. Just a cost in sin. Right. And see, some of you guys are going, yeah, Eric, get them homosexual. No, I'm going to deal with you in a moment, too. The text dealing with homosexuals, so we'll deal with them for now. It's wicked. My um. My, my, my sister-in-law, uh, uh, she struggles. Well, she, she practices homosexual. And it was so funny how we are as people. Because one day she was like, so tell me, Eric. Um, she, was like, she was like, yeah, my friend was saying, you know, okay, the Bible, 
The Bible just says homosexuality is like bad, like six or seven times in the Bible. You know, I'm like, well, how many times does it have to say it? Right. Her, she was making, I'm like, is it 12, 11? Like, what's, 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 the, what's the magic number? It's clear as day. I just gave you one verse because I didn't want to, I didn't want to bombard you. Leviticus 18.22. This is wicked. Why? Because God has created man and woman to be one flesh. Create, right? He created us to procreate, to have sexual intimacy. And this, he's saying, it's unnatural. It's inhumane. He has not created us. Men to have sex with men, women to have sex with women. It is wicked. Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. So, now here's the thing that gets hard. Can I just share my heart a little bit? And this is, uh, this is I'm just sort of, the homosexual piece is interesting because we can make homosexuality. I, I, I have a friend who, who uh, what, what now? So if you are if you are a practicing homosexual, you're homosexual. If you are a person who has homosexual tendencies and yet you're trying to trust Jesus, and I'm just giving you the definitions as we have this discussion, and you're saying I want to trust the Lord, but my inclination I want to have sex with men, I want to have sex with women, I, but I but I love Jesus more than that. And I would say you have same gender attraction. You, 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 you're attracted to the same gender, but Christ is your king. And so that trumps your desire. Okay? Um, I want to, I want to, I want to, it seems to me though, we as, we as Christians get bad raps, right? With, with, with the homosexual community. But I get it. You know why? Because as I talk to my friends and people that I know who, who either are practicing homosexual or, ha- or fighting for Jesus and have same gender attractions, you know what their biggest struggle is? Is they feel like they are the only ones who have to give up something for the gospel. And so, to be honest, they're kind of pissed. Because they're going, you don't have to give up anything. The very thing that, I mean, it feels almost like nature to me. You're telling me to stop for King Jesus. And yet I get to see you live out your pardonable sins. And so they're going, wait, wait a minute. But you have an idol too. But the world isn't telling you to cast that one down. Why I got to cast mine down? And I'm convinced that, you know, our homosexual community, they see a distorted gospel. They see a distorted gospel because they see a couple parts. They see abortion and homosexuality being like, whoa, you got to give that up for Jesus. But not... Greed, you know, not lust, like you can have sex with women and repent all you, but not, you know, you, you can be a pervert. But this, we go crazy, get the homosexuals there. Well, wait a minute. Let's see what the Bible says. I didn't mean to get loud. It's just interesting to me. It's interesting to me that we say, no, I'll keep all my idols. You stop being homosexual. Interesting to me. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that, though. So let's throw that out there and let's keep going. So here we got here. That's just, that, had, that wasn't even in the text, but that's just, I was just wondering, thinking through that, you know? So influence versus influencer. Check it out. So here's a guy who should be an influencer, right? But we obviously see him being influenced by the culture because he's there. And I, I want to propose to you, he, you know, at first I thought, like, so how is he a believer, but I wonder, is this, this, is, this, is, this is the mode of operation for us in the, as Americans. We say we have, we have the Holy Spirit, God rebirthed us, and then we have absolutely no prophetic voice. And we have, not only do we have no prophetic voice, but then because we have no prophetic voice, because we're not speaking up, we now have no moral high ground. How could he say something to people when he's been there the whole time and ain't said nothing? Let's continue on. He says, 1 Corinthians 6, check this out. So, homosexuals, get those homosexuals, Eric. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's read the text. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? There's all kinds of different translations of that. Immoral, wrongdoers, I mean, ungodly. Do not be deceived. Now, I love that. He's like, look, you cats who are all about no more abortion, no more homosexuals. He says, do not be deceived, fam, right? 
neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. Now, man, that's a lot of people because you can you can have an idol all over the place. If we're in this room, you can fool me. Who am I? You cannot fool God. If you were sitting here right now and you got you holding tight to your idol and you acting like with your, with your Bible on the other hand, God knows that. And he knows if you're really his child. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves. I love like he just puts it all in big old clump. You know? So you have, so if you're going to be at the bar arguing about homosexuality, you got to also be arguing about idolatry and adultery. You see this? He says, verse 10, it says, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He's like, some of you guys are kind of sly and slick. You ain't part of my kingdom. He's like, you think it's all, it's, it's all going to be all this bitch stuff. He's like, I hate shiesty cats. And that is what some of you were. You see that? And, and this, now notice this here. We're going to talk about this because now the, the tendency in my heart and the tendency for you right now is you're wiggling in those seats because, because the truth of the gospel hits us all the time is you want to now talk about grace. Don't you? I know I do, too. You're like, stop with the judgment. Let's talk about grace and God's love. But, but it seems that the Bible, what the, what the authors have done in their occasional letters, is they've done this because it's healthy for you and me to assess ourselves. And that while we understand grace, and we'll talk about that, he's saying, let's take an accurate assessment so that you're not being deceived. So that you truly experience and understand repentance. So you understand grace. But he says right now, deal with the reality of the charge. That ungodly people don't go to heaven. That's the charge. There will be no one in heaven who hates God. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He says this in 1 Corinthians. He keeps trying to encourage him. He's like, this is how you was. Don't be like that. And he keeps trying to encourage him in their walks of the Lord. You get to 2 Corinthians. He gets so mad. He gets to the point. He says, will you test and see if you're in the faith? So he tried to do the whole encouragement, you know, the whole Christian counseling thing. You know, you're going to be all right, man. Trust the gospel. You know, and after a while, he's like, well, look, man, if you're going to keep like being like Satan, well, you might want to process if you love him more than God. It's just it's just a fair question. Right. It's just fair. So if you notice here, he's saying that, guys, we got to we got to quit our arrogance. He's saying the pardonable sins we have, we have to be very careful. That this text is about homosexual, homosexual offenders being destroyed and him destroying the whole place. But the goal, but the, the, the focus, the application is that God is serious about holiness and he's serious about sin. And if you miss that and I miss that and we beeline into homosexuality, wow, extremely dangerous family. Continues on. If there's any questions, please feel free. Verse 8 and 9, he says, no, oh, oh, no, wait, wait, here we go. This is getting crazy. Y'all ready for this? All right, it's already been crazy, right? Check out this text. So this nut says, friends, what are you doing this wicked thing? Don't do this. They're like, what? He says, look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them, this is now, wait, this is Christian Lot now. All right? Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. Now, let me pause right there before I even go into the rest of the text. Look at Second Peter verse 6 and 8. Look what it says. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. This is proof that he is a Christian. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man. This is Bible now. Who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Now, this is deep. So notice what it says here. Here's a guy who is seemingly is grieved over the sin of the city. 
He's sad over the sin of the city. He sees it clearly. Right. It says he's walking day and night, living among them and going, man, y'all kind of foul. But he never tells them the gospel. He never talks to them about Jesus. Notice. He just is sort of sad about sin. And he does not become proactive about sin. Do you see that? What does it say about him? That's his legacy. I sat around, saw people doing really foul things and thought, man, that's so sad. That's messed up. There's another one. There they go. Is that fair? Am I far reaching? That's what he does. How do I, unless we can prove it practically. He destroys the whole city and there's no Christians. When we're going to see the angels say, hey, go get everybody, go get your crew, your family, your mommy, your daddy, your in-laws, whoever. Get your people, come by, destroy it. He goes and tries to get his son-in-laws and see what happens to those cats. So, man, I could spend, I could spend all day just talking about the reality of sharing the gospel. Do you see this? Does this, your, does this burn in your heart? Are you proactive about the gospel? Do we sit around and see our family members and people just utterly sinning? And we just sort of go, man, that's so messed up you don't get the joy of the gospel. And we never put ourselves out there. Why? Because we'll look kind of stupid. We'll look kind of preachy. What's the difference between him and Noah? It says Noah, a preacher of righteousness. When you look at the New Testament. What's we'll it about him? A lot of righteous do, you know. He ain't said nothing. He ain't said jack. Righteous guy, though. Right? That's what it says. Interesting. Very interesting, fam. Let's continue on. Look at this. I love this. So here's, here's, here's righteous lot. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. His daughter's family. But don't... <laughs> But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Unlike my daughters. Don't hurt them. I got to have their back. They stay in the night. But you can rape my daughters. You can mutilate my daughters. He is ridiculous. And look at the response. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner. They're like, hold up. This brother trying to preach now? Y'all know y'all had some of this happen before, right? You watch the cat sin for a while, then you get holy one day, roll up on them, trying to say something godly. They're like, man, you were just drunk with me last week. Look at this. No more high ground. This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge? You, you've been watching us for years be freaky. Now you're going to come and say something? We'll treat you worse than them. That's what we do to you. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. Totally lost his moral high ground. Totally lost just not, not being consistent in the gospel. Now when he says something, they looked at him like he was a joke. What are you talking about? I mean, we've been here all this time. You're prominent. You're at the gate. Now you're going to tell us what we shouldn't do as if you haven't seen us doing this? Do we know that he's been watching them? Yeah, look at the text. He's been depraved. He's been watching their crazy conduct. Yes, yes ma'am. I love you say you, we confess, we repent, we, 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 we act in humility and we act in courage. That's the Holy Spirit to give us courage. What would it look like if we as a body, we just we just consistently operated out of God's courage 
And we, we were okay with being misunderstood. We were okay with being willing to be nobodies for Jesus. And we went to people and we just told them the truth day in and day out. And we loved them and sacrificially cared for them. But we really made it, we made it clear to people in our community, in our families, that we're on no one's side but Jesus's. We're on the Lord's side. And that we're willing to be misunderstood for the gospel. Many of us, we hedge our bets and we try to think, we try to say, no, this is how people get saved. And we, 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 we read the Bible as if we're pragmatic reformers. We, we, we think we understand the sovereignty of God and then we do our life as if we have the way of saving people. And we have to allow our theology to match it with how we live. If we really believe only the Holy Spirit can give the increase, only God can allow people to want, to, want them to love him. If we really believe that, if we really believe God gives the increase and, and all he's called us to do is go and find the sheep, then now we don't have to hedge our bets. We don't have to, we don't have to mince our words. and We can be really clear, be loving and humble, and be willing to be misunderstood for the gospel. And I think, I think it'll be a crazy time. It'll be a hard time. But the Lord will be pleased. So I, I mean, what you said is what we do. We, we humble ourselves, we confess sin, and we tell people, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be clear about the gospel from now on because I love you enough to let you know. I was just looking, you know, hey, you want to turn to Second Peter? I think I was like this guy a little bit. I'm righteous, but I wasn't letting you know the gospel. And that doesn't really show you love. I want to confess that to you. What would I do with some of our unbeliever friends? You take them to Second Peter and you confess and show them, I think I was this guy. And I don't want you to be, can I show you what happened to these guys? How would that for a start? Do a, do a study on Genesis 19 with your unbelievers. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let me keep, let me keep, let me, let me, let me keep going for the sake. So I just want to affirm everything you said is what we do, sis. For, uh, let me keep going though. Um, great job. So they move them back, right? So it says, but uh, the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Now I love this. Check this out, guys. So he pulls them back into the house, shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. I love this part. I just think it's hilarious. Because, I mean, come on, y'all. Like, I'm just, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just imagining. So you with a bunch of nasty old men, all y'all perverted, and you're out there, and you want to have sex with these two guys. All right? And you guys, now you... you you can't have sex with him because a guy is closing the door and he's like, don't do this. And so now you're mad because you're like, I came out here to have sex. There's no one to have sex with. Right. And then you go blind. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if everybody else knew they were blind. You know, so I wonder. It wasn't like everybody knew that they went blind. It's probably like you the one brother. And you think all these perverts can see. And you the blind guy. I'm swinging first. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to do perfs. Okay, so, I'm sorry. I think that was hilarious, but I'm sorry. Don't fire me, y'all. I just thought that was hilarious. So, so they got blind, right? So, now, let's talk about gospel. This has Jesus written all over it. I know the new people. I usually don't do it all the time, just sometimes. Um, y'all like, am I lying? I'm not. So, the two, look at this. Check this out. So, he closes the door. I just want to talk about the gospel for a moment. Um... It says here, the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. We're going to torch it. The outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it, which is very interesting, which means that people have been praying for this place. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws, which is very interesting because I don't even know if that means he went outside and they were part of the crowd. I don't know. Very interesting that he found him quickly. And it's very interesting that he ends up back at the crib, um, what we see in a moment. It says, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were pledged, pledged to marry his daughters. Oh, oh, so can you imagine? Hey, sons-in-laws, come get saved. They're like, dude, you just, didn't you just tell everybody to, marry, to rape my girl? This is, this is bizarre. Do you see this? He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. Look at this. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Man, you. He says, this is this thing that is, he just seems like a joke to everybody. Because now he wants to get serious about the gospel. And they're like, really? Really, Lot? Am I right? They die. They don't come.
With the coming of dawn, okay, wait a minute. When did this journey start? At night. Say it again, B. Say it again, Nate. Okay, so this is right before you're going to bed. So can we do nine to midnight rain, something like that? Now it's dawn. Angels was at night saying, hey, close the door. We got these crazies. We're going to torch the joint. Go find some people. Next day, just kind of bizarre to me that it would take that long to say, okay, we're ready to rock. Um, it says the angels urged Lot saying, hurry. Okay, wait a minute. So the angels told him, he said, hurry. Come on, dude. I'm proposing. He says, take your wife and your daughters who are here and you, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the man grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. If you can circle, please, verse 16, if you ever are thinking the gospel is not in the Old Testament, that is, a, that is the gospel. Do you see that beautiful verse in your Bible? You should put a big old smiley face. This is unbelievable. So he is hesitating. So here it is. We have uh, we have sinful sinners being sinners. OK, God's saying they deserve punishment. We're going to punish them. Get your people. Get out of here. I'm giving you clear commands. And it takes them a day and they have to remind them again. Help me understand that, family. What's happening here? It seems to me like he's hesitating. How many times in our journey? God gives you clarity. You're dating this guy who's not a believer. Get out of the relationship. And we go, well, let me think about it. Well, right? Think of our life. You're doing something, and God has clearly shown you what he wants you to be about. From the scriptures, what you're doing is sin, and yet you're still processing if it will destroy you or not. You're in Matt groups, bartering with people and arguing your point. You and your one-on-one times being disciples here, arguing over why you sin. Why you're still in a rut. There it is. Look what he says here. This is beautiful because this is what the gospel is about. This is what it's about. People say all the time, man, so why do, you know, we have people in our body. I get it. It's, it, it, it. From a cursory perspective, it seems kind of deep and beautiful. Oh, man, I don't want anyone to go to hell. Why do, why do God send people to hell? No, 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 no. Don't you see what happens? Don't you see? Here's, here's the reality, everybody. If you're wondering what happened with the whole hell and heaven thing, the reality of being with Jesus forever and being eternally destroyed, the reality is this, is that we as humans, we want to go to hell. We as humans want to be destroyed. That's what the text is trying to help you see. See, we want, see, hey, I'm going to destroy this place, and he's still chilling. And the reason why he's alive is not because he wanted to get away and be safe. It's because they grabbed him by the ear, pulled him, and said, although you want to be destroyed, I'm going to be merciful to you, and I'm going to save you. Even though you want to be destroyed. That's the gospel. The gospel, see, the Bible, if you're new here, here's what Christianity is. Horrible, bad people and Jesus. That's the gospel. Is that we're all messed up and foul, and what God does is He choose, we all should go to hell, want to go to hell, don't like God, and then God decides to save some of us. In fact, I thought Hal said it so well. We were just talking. He said, "You know what? The great scandal we were just talking. The great scandal is that not that that people um, get to have to go to hell. The scandal is that people get to go to heaven." That's the thing that should blow your mind, that some people get to go to heaven. I think you've already read that, Pat, that, that sentence there. I pray we would take heed to his, his warnings. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes. If you have shown, you've shown great kindness to me and spare my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. I love this. Look at this. And we've we got two, a couple more points and then we're going to go home. He says, this disaster will, over, will overtake me and I'll die. I love this. <laughs> you see this, brother? Look here. It's a town near enough to run to. And it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. This brother started trying to call the shots. So, wait. So the, so the Lord mercifully spares him and says, I'm going to save you. You're going to be destroyed. I'm going to save you. 
And so go over here and he says, thanks for saving me, but hey, man, that town's kind of cool over there. Can I go over here? I'm, a, I'm kind of a punk. I don't like the mountains. I don't like camping and stuff. So uh, it, it'll be hard for me, Jesus. I just don't want to go in the mountains. Can I go to a nice little town over here? Can you imagine audacity? Brother, the Lord's trying to save you, and then you start trying to call the shots? I just think that's hilarious. I'm like, brother, you're a trip. All right. And so the Lord, the Lord is so gracious to him. So he finds favor in the Lord's eyes. Let me continue on for the sake of time. He said to him, very well, I'll grant this request to you. I will not overthrow um, the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do any, in, anything until you reach it. Now, by the way, who's destroying the town? I'm sorry. God. Let us be clear now. Jesus. And the reason why I want to say that, because so they are they were going to report to the Lord. Right. Who was with them before on the status of what they need to do. Right. And so then the Lord, basically like a like a cool God center mafia gives a hit and says, handle business. I couldn't think of any analogy. I'm sorry. And um, so he says, and that is why the town was called Zor. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. Guys, don't look at that as just some, this is some cool story. This is history. Do you understand that God destroyed a town with burning sulfur on people? That's what the author wants. The, 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 when the Israelites are reading this, they're remembering this reality. From the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain. Check this out. Destroying all those living in the cities. He even destroyed the plants. And also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now, look back. Why is that important? When you look back, all you, what you're really saying is you regret and so God destroyed her. She had a chance to become a Christian, and he destroyed her. Right? He says, because, you know, you, you're saying, look, when I, when I do something in your life, don't be looking back. Talking about, man, but I really love, man, when we was getting together, man, having sex, it was awesome. Now, you know, that's how it is. You come to college or something, you got your whole plan. I get it. I have my whole plan. And here comes Jesus. Throwing a monkey wrench in your whole program, right? You start reading the Bible and stuff. Right? You're like, man, he just told me not to do that. I was going to do that Friday. You know how it is. Right? You start, you get this honey. God's like, well, here's what I want you to do with honey. You're like, oh, my goodness. And he's like, look now, don't look back. You're a new creature now. Recreation. I recreated you. And with the, oh, We've seen this a lot. And that's the hardest thing. I think the hardest thing for me as I, as I serve the Lord in the pastorate is watching Cool people listen to the wrong God. Uh, that's the hardest part for me, and I, and I get all emotional. But and I, just, I thought about, you know, what I thought about when I read this family. I thought about Jason Packard doing. And I thought about like, I just thought about how, you know, he listened to people who weren't loving the Lord, and. Um, I don't know if he's walking with the Lord or not, you know. God is gracious, and I pray he, he draws him back. But it, she was destroyed because she looked back, regret. God is asking you to keep forward, and you don't want to reminisce on sin. God wants to continue to teach you as he's recreated your heart and make your internal heart externally manifest manifest that we would hate sin and love our Savior. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain. He had saw dense smoke rise from the land like smoke from a furnace. Here's Abraham checking out the land now. His boy, you know, his, 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 his nephew's there. He knows the Lord was going to burn it up, said a couple of days ago. He's checking it out. You know what I love about Abraham here? Check it out. So, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. I noticed Abraham, you don't hear any drama from Abraham. It's almost like a guy who's kind of trying to get it almost. He's getting a sovereignty piece. God's in control. My, I got family down there. I don't know. He doesn't know who's alive, who's dead. 
And he ain't going, God, well, what about this? You don't see him on some donkey trying to gallop there and save somebody? You know what I'm saying? He ain't doing none of that. He went to sleep. Knowing the town's getting destroyed. He went to sleep. God is sovereign. God is judge. I'm going to go to sleep. Wake up. I hope my, I don't know. If he's killed Lot, God, God knows better than me. Isn't it deep? Is that how we are? We'll just go to sleep and trust God. Wakes up. Place destroyed. He didn't know if he has a nephew or not. God is gracious. Saves Lot. Why? He remembered Abraham. According to the text. Now, how, 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 how gracious is that? You think Lot going around going, no, he saved me because, no, you did nothing, bruh. You got saved because of another dude. God was gracious to another dude. He's gracious to you. Let's ponder, guys. What's the narrative in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible, family? See, we don't like to hear this. This narrative is in the Bible because when you think of the, the, the Israelites of old, as they are, are they wandering through the wilderness or are they just the people of God rehearsing this reality? He's saying it was a servant example for those who don't, who don't run for perverted sin. It's as simple as that. We don't like to hear that. He's asking you and me who've been, who are born again or professing believers. I don't know where you are. He's saying, I want you to understand. I take sin seriously. I destroy towns because of sin. So if you are managing sin in your life, he's saying, don't think you're fooling me. Jude 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual morality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffered the punishment of eternal fire. That's what the scriptures say, family. And it's another display of God's grace. Every week, what are we saying, fam? We are seeing God's grace. Do you see his grace there? Here's a guy who ain't said jack about Jesus the whole time while he's there. Totally playing God. We're caught, we, come, we get saved and he makes us his missionaries. He said, well, I'll take part one. And God still says, you're my guy, even though you're all messed up. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to save you. And if you tell me who else, I'll save the rest of these cats. I'll save some family members, too. All because of his grace. Look at the passage. Lot tries to let the guys rape his daughters. And he's called righteous in Second Peter. Is that grace? I say that because you, we read this passage and some of you, you love Jesus and you're fighting sin. Don't mix that up between an unrepentant person. OK, family, if you love Jesus and you're fighting sin, you can be secure in your salvation. Fight sin. Realize sin is serious. Take Jesus serious. Ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to want to enjoy holiness. Take holiness serious. He wants us to take holiness serious, family. I got to go. I wanted to talk about some other things, but we need to uh, close up. I'm going to leave with this. Comparing Sodom and Gomorrah. Man, we look like we think we're sitting here reading this as if like it's way out there. Really? Is it really? Is it? I don't think so, family. Think about our culture. The pornography in our culture. Our culture is, I mean, everything we do now is almost, I mean, the big, the big word now is that even techno- technological advances are not just for technological advances, but it's, it's in order for us to be able to get pornography to people quicker because it's such a beautiful industry for capitalism. It's everywhere. And here's the thing. We're so perverted in America, but man, if you go overseas... It's crazy. And, it's, and we, we're getting, we just have more money and we can hide a little better. You know, when you go see, you see me, there's like naked pictures on the walls. There's like all kind of crazy stuff in different places I've been. You know, you even have the little shops in the corners, like even Uganda, where you can go in and watch pornos and all this stuff. It's rampant. But what about here? The Internet. Oh, my goodness. It's rampant, guys. But the ladies, emotional porn, those romance novels y'all be reading all the time, porn with words. Like the brother's like, really? Scratching their heads. Yeah, brother, that's porn with words. Right? Where you try, where you keep, you keep building this idolatry of a guy you want who doesn't exist. Just like we build a girl we want in a pornographic films that don't exist. You gotta be careful of that stuff. 
Right? How about this new hookup culture? The swingers and this casual, you know, friends with benefits and people having sex and just experience. It's like this fun. We have gone bonkers. We're doing the same stuff as Sodom and Gomorrah. Heaven forbid, the same numbers. Human trafficking. Selling. In 2011, we're still selling people for sex. We still, we're still selling people for sex. Sex, we always say in this body, I tell you guys, a person says they want to walk with the Lord, I say, okay, let me just look at your life and I can look at two areas and I know if you're serious about Jesus. Let me see how you handle your wallet and how you handle your sex life. Your sexuality and your wallet will let me know if you're serious about the Lord. The big one we're talking about today is sex. It has become, it is a God. And guys, I'm asking for us as a body to be repentant, to cast down the idols of sexuality, of sexual sin. You guys think of more, I'm sure. Is this us? Well, the Bible teaches those who don't repent will be destroyed. That's what this text is about. But the beauty is those who repent, there's grace. I, man, I would not take this lightly. I did, guys. I, I want to um, I, I confess to you. I know I've, I know I've gone over. Um, I just want to confess to you as a body. I, um, I, when I was in college, addicted to pornography, addicted to masturbation, um, lied about it, got, got saved, continued to be addicted to pornography and masturbation, um, lied about it in my Bible studies, Kept asking the Lord. What I wanted was I wanted God to heal me. So I thought, well, I want to be healed, but I want to keep my reputation. So I sort of played a duplicative lifestyle. And God just, you know, in his grace didn't do anything. And um, so finally, my junior year in college, my junior year, I, um, I went to the guys and I finally said, hey, guys, um, I want to let you know. I struggle with masturbation. And uh, it was interesting. All the guys in uh, my, my discipleship group went, whew, they were like, like, like wow, I'm, I'm glad you, it's not just me. And, and God used that moment in my life. Um, and as time went on, um, there was this beautiful fight uh, that the Lord allowed me to, to enter into. And guys, I want to consent and tell you, I haven't looked at pornography in almost 14 years. Praise the Lord. However, um, I masturbated uh, my first when I was when I was raising support um, for crusade. Um, Ninety eight. Uh, I just, just want to confess to you guys, I masturbated in my mom's home. And then um, four years ago, uh, well, around four, it'll be four years ago. My anniversary will be four years uh, when we moved here, uh, when we were fixing up the house on Rones, I fell to masturbation. So it's been, it'll be four years in June, July uh, that, that the Lord has cleaned me from masturbation. Uh, I share that with you uh, to say that the goal of the gospel is not sinning. Uh, there's no victory because the Lord has given me victory in those areas. But what the Lord is doing is he's allowing me now to continue to be able to experience the gospel in a deeper way uh, because those things don't have a stronghold on me. And and I and I and I know it's prevalent in our body. And I know that the men in particular think you need to manage the sin, that you cannot stop masturbating. You cannot stop looking at porn. And so what you want to do, because what I've done is you want to manage it and say, well, I'll just look at it a little bit and I'll keep walking with the Lord. But the Lord tells us in First Thessalonians that you have self-control and that he can heal you in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to really ask ourselves, where are we at? In our journey, we need to be honest and real about our walks with the Lord and sin. It is a God, and it will suck us under. We need to fight. And we need to be okay with the fight and our process and our journey. No one should be ashamed. You should hate sin. 
but you shouldn't go into this weird demonic shame where you can't experience restoration. You shouldn't go into demonic sin if you have an inclination to want to have sex with another man if you're a man, if you're fighting for Jesus. You need to hate sin. But you need to fight for the gospel. And homosexuals, to people who look at porn, to greedy people, materialistic, what God is asking us all to do is to cast down your idol. Mike's going to kill me, but if I let you guys stay a little longer, you're going to kill me. And I think I can take Mike. I'm just kidding. But uh, I was, I'm joking. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And uh, guys, I want you to be encouraged.